The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey, guys. Welcome back in to Bud Elliott's College Football Summer School, where I ask our 24-7 sports experts the questions I want the answers to as I do my prep for the upcoming season today. We're going to talk a little TCU, national runner-up, making it just an absolute Cinderella run, and turns out they were pretty damn talented. Uh, to talk about this, we're going to bring on Jeremy Clark of Horn Frog Blitz. Jeremy, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, great to be on. All right, so on the Cover 3 podcast, I, I will not take credit for the success, but we were we we were liking TCU an awful lot last year. I, I Me and Tom both had them pretty good numbers to win the Big 12. We were able to hedge out of that. I think we all bet the over-under win total. But I did not see 13-2 and two and play into a legitimate top-five power rating. What was it like to cover this squad? Hey, man, no one saw 13-2. and two. No one saw national championship. No one really saw the playoffs. I mean, it was – I mean, it was incredible. I mean, I've been around the program for so long, and um, I, I can certainly tell you just watching the spring camp last year, there was – there was a team that was focused. There was a team that was very athletic. I mean, we all saw with the draft here a few weeks ago that they were, you know, obviously a talented team, but it just looked like last year that, and I think I told you this last spring that it looked like they were having a lot of fun. The mentality was a lot different. And typically when, when you have fun, you don't make as much mistakes. You look at the win column, you might have an extra one or two more wins, but 
I don't think anyone expected 13-2. and two. And, I mean, just going out to Phoenix, seeing that game against Michigan, you know, no matter who you are, if you're a Michigan fan, TCU got lucky with some calls. But TCU wasn't supposed to be in that game. TCU wasn't even supposed to be close and win in that game. And obviously you go out to L.A. and you play for a national championship. And L.A. could have been a lot more fun. But, uh, you know, it's it's something that people can't take away from TCU. They did make it all the way to the national championship game last year. And, uh, man, what a what a great run. Way to, uh, uh, just a memorable one for me just being around the program for so long. And, man, I'd love to do that thing again. So you lose Garrett Riley, who led them to a top-five offense. Bring in Kendall Bryles, who has had – a lot of success on the field. What, what's the reception been like from the players you've been able to talk to? Man, it's been awesome. I mean, everyone really, really likes Kendall Browse. I mean, if you look at just the way he interacted with these players over the spring, he's getting out there, he's running routes, he's getting out there being a cornerback covering these receivers. Just, just the way he's real personable uh, with these guys, uh, these and these these players. It's it's just something that. And that's not a knock on Garrett Riley, but you could tell real early with Kendall Browse that he was a little bit more active with these guys. And just talk with Chandler Morris and uh, Josh Hoover, the two quarterbacks they had on scholarship during the spring. They love them. I mean, this this is an offense, too, for Chandler that we asked Chandler all about. I mean, this offense really seems like it's made for you. And he said, man, it's a perfect fit for me. But just beyond the X's and O's, he really likes what Kendall Browse brings to the meeting room. He's uh, very easy to go to, and if you look around the team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, um, especially with those offensive coaches, they all, they've all spoken volumes about Kendall in the spring. And, man, I can't wait to see what they do with him this fall because he's always had success wherever he's been as an offensive coordinator, and they lose some weapons, but they still have a lot of weapons returning on that offense. It, it, it's interesting you said that about Chandler Morris and, and, and the perfect fix. That's really where I was going to go, that they do lose Max Duggan. So when I think about this, you know, the, the, the Bryles tree and, and the, the beer and shoot, as I think they want it to be called now, uh, oftentimes, it's the ability to lay that deep ball out there accurately so, so they, they can run under it because they, they do take so many deep shots, which I think we've seen Morris do in his limited time in college. They also do run the quarterback a, a decent bit. I'm curious, uh, do you think he's capable of that? Or if not, uh, how, how do you think they'll modify to fit his skill set? Well, I think Chandler's a really good runner. If you look at okay. that game he had in 2021 against Baylor, I mean, he threw for all those yards, 471, but he also had, I think, 70 yards on the ground. So he's not quite as fast as Max Duggan is, straight line speed, but he's got a little bit more wiggle to him. He's a guy that can escape the rush. He can get those hard yards. And, I mean, I'll tell you right now, during spring camp, he was able to show a lot of that running ability. I don't know how much Kendall's going to, rely on him running the quarterback draw or quarterback power as much as he did with K.J. Jefferson at, at Arkansas because they're two different type of uh, quarterback bodies. K.J.'s obviously a really big kid, and Chandler's not as big. He's only about 5'11", five, five 195 pounds. But I think when you look at Kendall's offense, he's going to have uh, a run of quarterback no matter what. I mean, we look at, as I mentioned, K.J. Jefferson, but this is a guy that also coached De'Aaron King and Derek King was a guy that no one really thought could play quarterback in college with at only 5'10 and only about 185 pounds coming out of high school. So I think with uh, Chandler, he definitely has that running ability. Anyone that goes back and watches his highlight films from when he was a senior at Highland Park, 
man, he made plays through the air, made plays with his feet. And he's a, you know, like I said earlier, this is an offense I think is really fit um, for his playing style. And I can't wait to see what he can accomplish this year um, going into his uh, redshirt sophomore season. I thought the Horn Frogs had, had some underrated backs last year. I, I, I love Kendra Miller. Amari DeMarcado was a good player for them as well. But who steps up for them now? I saw they took Trey Jackson, the transfer portal. I don't really know what they have in him. What What's your read on, on the backfield situation? That's a good one. I mean, if you look at last year, Monty Bailey was kind of the forgotten running back, but TCU fans knew him really well because it seemed like every time he came in there, he was making plays. He's not as big as Kendra and Amari, but he's got – a, a lot of uh, electric play in them. I, I guess the best way to describe them. He he can take those um, five yard run plays. Hey, maybe miss a tackle. The next thing you know, you look up and it's fifty yards downfield. He's got more speed um, than than Amari has. I don't know if he's quite as fast as Kendra was, but he's a guy that's very versatile. He can make plays out of the uh, backfield, catching the football. He became better at pass blocking, protecting the quarterback during spring camp, but it's going to be a battle between him and Trey Sanders. Trey Sanders, we we were kind of looking at him as, is he the five-star back that Alabama recruited a few years ago? Obviously, he's had some injuries that he's had to overcome. But I, I'll tell you right now, the guy looks like $5 million. I mean, he's a very well-put-together running back, 6'1", a solid 215. They think he could probably play at around 225 during the season. He's a guy that if, if Amani's the lightning of the group, Trey is definitely the thunder. I mean, he can run over guys. Showed a lot of good run plays this year during spring, and 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 actually he's he's kind of like Bailey in the in the role of uh, being able to catch the football. They want to they want to utilize those running backs, getting out in the flats, uh, throwing the football to them, and see what they can do. But you also have Trent Battle coming back. Trent Battle was a redshirt freshman last year. Um, uh, another guy that has great size, a versatile guy. He's probably played mostly third string this this spring camp. I think he could play, uh, excuse me, at a higher level as the fall gets here. But one guy I'm really looking forward to seeing is Cameron Cook, um, the four-star signee they had out of uh, Round Rock to see what he could come in and, and accomplish because I know they have a lot of high expectations for him right now at running back as well. Awesome. A, a group that the, uh, the expectations are going to be maybe a little tempered compared to what they had last year is receiver. They lose Quentin Johnson. They, they lose Darius Davis. They lose Tay Barber. That's a 150 catches and 2,000 yards uh, to, to replace, which is pretty substantial. I think most of those guys are either uh, drafted or uh, they all three got drafted, but certainly are, are going to be in some NFL camps somewhere. How big is the drop off here in your estimation? And you know, if it's not a huge drop off, who stepped up? Like who, who do fans need to know about? Man, when you put the numbers out there like that it's huge I mean I I haven't really thought about it that way but one thing I will say is during spring camp um John Paul Richardson and Jojo Earl that John Paul came in from Oklahoma State Jojo from Alabama and one thing we all noticed real quick the, the media covering the team and just anyone that was just out there watching is they may be better at slot than they were last year mm-hmm. we we started to watch the the production during spring camp and we actually asked Sonny hey is there a possibility you guys may be stronger at receiver this year? And he, he immediately agreed. And you just ask people around the program, and, and that's not any kind of knock on Darius and Tay Barber at slot because they're very productive guys and, and very fast receivers, especially Darius Davis. But they feel like they can be more productive at the slot position. You got another guy like Jack Besh from LSU that didn't go through spring camp that they have really high expectations for. But 
I think that the biggest issue they have right now is on the outside at X and Z. Obviously, you lose a first rounder like Quentin Johnston. You're you're going to have a lot of uh, guys to to come in there and kind of fill those shoes. Right now, uh, they moved Savion Williams, who was the starter at Z last year, moved him over to X. He was pretty productive this spring. He's not quite as as uh, high level as Quentin Johnston was, but I think he obviously has some talent. He's another big body, six four. 6'5", 215 pounds, he can go up and make those tough plays. And a guy like Dalen Rock, a transfer from Minnesota they got, he's another big guy on the outside. But they, they've they got to find answers at X and Z right now. I think if you look at that whole receiver core in general, that's where the biggest question marks. And you lose a guy like Jordan Hudson, who he, you know, honestly didn't have a very productive spring. You know, I think people around the program were hoping that he was going to show a little bit more during spring camp, but he just never – uh, really, really was productive during the whole spring camp. Obviously, entered the transfer portal at the end of spring, and now we all know he's headed over uh, east to SMU. So, um, I, I think if there's a big position that you still have question marks at right now, it's definitely on the outside for TCU. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Offensive line loses three starters, including including a, a consensus All-American. They, they have grabbed three guys from the transfer portal. I, I have a hard time seeing them be quite as good as they were last year. What what's what's sort of your estimation for this room? The offensive line, I, I think, is very talented at offensive tackle. You have Andrew Coker coming back, Brandon Coleman coming back, a couple guys um, playing behind them. Marcus Williams had a Pretty decent spring. He missed a few uh, practices due to injury. Tommy Brockemeyer started slow, but finished strong. But I, I think they've got a solid group of tackle. But you're right, but that interior of the offensive line had a big loss. They lose a guy like Steve Avila, who was you know a second round draft pick. You have another guy like Alan Ali, who was a very uh, productive center for their offense. Uh, played a ton of football uh, in five, I think, almost six years. I think he actually played college football. And Wes Harris, Wes Harris was a guy that was injured most of his career, but he had a very, very productive senior campaign. And uh, the the transfers you mentioned, Willis Patrick, I think Willis has potential to be a very, very good offensive guard for them. Got some work at center during spring camp as well, but he's a guy that has they have very, very high expectations for. He was a guy that was all but set to transfer to Colorado with Deion Sanders, but uh decided to come back home and go to TCU. But I think Colton Deary will answer some questions at center. He was a uh, uh, very high performer at Maryland, played in 10 games as a true freshman. So they have very high hopes for him. But 
he's another guy that has to come into the to the system and learn it pretty quickly in fall camp. But yeah, that's uh, three three uh, positions that are very questionable for me right now. Defensively, uh, I thought Joe Gillespie did a nice job in in, in year one and, and had done a really nice job at Tulsa. Uh, prior to that, kind of a, a top thirty five ish unit power ratings wise. If you, if you look around, that's that's a kind of a safe number to put him at. I'm feeling pretty good about the interior of that defensive line, and yet the the edge rushers. I don't I don't know, man. Like, like I'm not, not talking about the ledge here, but top four pass rushers are all gone, right? Uh, what what's the What's the thought here on this defensive line unit? Because almost everybody in the interior comes back, I think. Yeah, I mean, you got a good interior line with uh, Dominic Williams, and then there's question marks, uh, especially on the defensive end. You, you lose a guy uh, like Dylan Horton, who had 10 sacks last year, had a huge game against Michigan in the playoff game. Um, but you don't really have a lot of answers at edge right now, and that's still really a position that they're actively pursuing in the transfer portal just to see if they could add a little bit more depth I like Caleb Fox. Caleb Fox was uh, kind of a second teamer last year. He had a pretty good spring. Uh, the the guy that I would say might have the best potential of this group, and you're going to see a lot of him this year, is Paul Oyewale. That's a tough name to pronounce, but he's redshirt freshman. If you go to TCU practice, you're going to find out real quickly who number 97 is. Physically, he might be the most impressive-looking player on the entire roster. So. He had a pretty good spring. He's more of a speed guy. He's not in your uh, typical three three five defensive end terms as being like a six six five two hundred ninety pound guy. He's about six six four two hundred seventy five pounds, but he can he can really move. And uh, you know they they've got they've got some numbers there. It's not like they're a, a light position, but they don't have a, a lot of production coming back. You lose a guy like Horton, Terrell Cooper, George Ellis. There's three seniors that were very active last year on, on that roster. And uh, I think if you look at the de- defense in general, defensive end is where the biggest question marks are right now. I, luckily for them, I, I think of the first seven games, they only really have one team that I, I identify uh, SMU as having a, a top you know, passing attack that, that they have to face there. So maybe, maybe they can work on, on some rotations and figure out doing a game situation, who can play and who can't. Uh, dropping back a level to the linebackers, you lose D winners, uh, but when you still have Hodges, you still have have uh, have Jamoy Hodge, right? So, like that's a pretty decent group to return. Are they worried about replacing winners? Right now, I think uh, yeah, they're pretty happy with how the linebackers played in the spring. You didn't have Jamoy Hodge going uh, during spring camp, but what that allowed you to have was a guy like Shad Banks. Shad Banks is okay. I was going to ask you, yeah. Yeah, Shad is kind of the the forgotten guy. Everyone, you know, remembers being a four-star receiver going to A&M. Then he gets to TCU, transitions to linebacker, has a pretty decent freshman season, has a pretty decent sophomore season. But I'll tell you right now, in, in heading into his junior season, this spring camp was the best I've seen him have. I mean, he was very active, made a lot of good plays. Um, pass defense was, was stellar in run defense. I don't know where they're going to put him at because he was playing the spot where Jamoy Hodge usually plays right there at middle. Um, I do feel like he could play right outside linebacker, left outside Sam or Mike or uh, Sam or Will. But uh, I, I really feel like Shad Banks is going to find a place on this defense, and because I honestly don't know how Joe Gillespie is going to keep him off the field because he's just he's one of those guys that just analyzes plays really well. He he's obviously got the athleticism and the size. To, to wreak havoc right there at linebacker. But it, for D this this spring, they had um, 
Obi Azor, Namdi uh, Obi Azor, come down from safety. Uh, he was uh, kind of a two deep safety last year for them. He's got great size, six three, in two twenty pound range, and, and has speed. They know it can cover well. But one guy that that really impressed me this spring, and, and virtually everyone out there that that came to watch was Jonathan Bax. Um, he's a you know, high school early enrollee. Uh, out of New Orleans, LSU tried to get him late. Uh, he decided to stick it out with TCU. And you talk about a true freshman that doesn't look like a true freshman. I mean, this kid should be you know, just finishing off his senior year of high school. He's 6'3", 237 pounds. And you talk about a guy that looked comfortable, looked like he knew what he was doing, wasn't afraid to face uh, face older competition from the, the offensive line. He was taking on blockers. He was covering guys out of the backfield. And, and I really think they hit a home run with Jonathan Bax, and I can't wait to see what he does as a true freshman this year. I think he's going to make some sort of impact, and if they do have an injury at, with with Hodge or with Hodges, I really do feel that a guy like Jonathan Bax come in there and make some plays. I, th- I think Jim Gillespie is really known for for confusing uh, offensive lines, obviously, with, with some of the mixed front stuff. And, and I, in, in the back end, typically at Tulsa, they did a great job of creating confusion. So if this defense doesn't see a drop-off, uh, given what you know, they lost, at defensive end, and they do lose Hodges Tomlinson there in the secondary. I think he's the only guy they lose in the secondary. Like it, if they don't drop off, it's because the back seven was was really damn good, right? Like they this should this group should take a step forward. I think. Am I wrong? Yeah, you're looking. You're looking at the defense, and this is like you said, this is year two under Gillespie system. And watching spring camp, I mean, they started very slow on defense. There, there was no doubt in my mind that Kendall Browse really hit the ground running with that offense and the defense was you're, you're, you're scratching your head trying to figure out, man, it's this defense. Are they really going to miss D winners that much? Are they really missing Dylan Horton? But after about the first four or five practices, the defense starts to wake up. You start to see them make plays. And especially in that secondary, you, you got a guy like Josh Newton that wasn't even in spring camp, but for some reason, and you mentioned Trey Hodges Tomlinson being gone but the corners were playing well. And and as I mentioned with the receivers, although they lose a guy like Trey, they might be deeper at cornerback. They are deeper at cornerback than what they were last year. You look at a guy like Avery Helm transfer in from Florida. There was one practice I'm watching him. He gets up and Savion Williams face and presses him so hard. Savion can't get separation or even get off the line. And you're talking about Savion Williams being a six, five, 215 pound receiver. So you're, you're with Joe Gillespie's defense, anyone that's that's watched him over the years, he likes to be big uh, at corner. His corners are going to be big at TCU. They all range from 6'2", down to about 5'11". Anyone that's under 5'11", that was a Gary Patterson guy, and you, you really don't see those guys out there anymore. So um, Avery Helm was really big this spring. Channing Canada, uh, Juco, number one Juco prospect at cornerback, was really big this spring. Mason White, another Juco cornerback, was really good. Um, I, I really feel that they're going to be very, very strong. The top four, Josh Newton will be back in the fall and he's regarded as one of not only the top cornerbacks in the big 12, but a lot of people regard him as one of the top cornerbacks in the nation and what a team leader he is. It was fun watching him this spring, although he's not playing, he's just out there coaching those guys. But you look at the rest of the secondary, uh, M- Miller Bradford's coming back for his third year as a starter, Mark Perry, Second year as a starter, and Bud Clark. Bud Clark had a uh, phenomenal uh, sophomore campaign, and, and and really everyone remembers that interception return he had against Michigan. And he's another guy that has just grown up in front of everyone's eyes, becoming more of a, a team leader. 
very vocal guy. And you're right. If they, if they, if they play at the same level they did last year in the secondary, they're going to be better overall as a defense. But it, you know, I go back to the uh, trenches where we all know football games are won and lost and they, and they really have to improve um, up front on the defensive line, especially against some type of pressure on those quarterbacks. Or, or they're going to have to blitz a lot more. I mean, they, they were not a heavy blitz team last year. They would bring some pressure, but it was usually like they, they, they'd bring three down and, and, and you know, add one. It wasn't like a five, six-man stuff too much, at least not not per PFF. I, I'm just curious, like, will they have to blitz more this year? And if so, I'm wondering how, how they were looking at it. Yeah, they, they, they could definitely blitz more. And I, I think if you look at just being second year in that system, they'll be more comfortable doing those things. And I think that's not only with the players, but that's with uh, Coach Gillespie um, making sure his players know what they're doing. So I think um, the, the athleticism is, is definitely there. And, and when you got a guy that's a couple guys like in linebackers like Jamoy Hodge and, and uh, Johnny Hodges that are extremely smart players, I think you start to trust them a little bit more and um, see what they can do from that linebacker position. I was – I was telling everyone last year when when they were looking at uh, this defense, is it was kind of surprising to see Dylan Horton as the team leader in sacks because I was telling everyone it's going to be a linebacker, it's going to be a linebacker, it's going to be someone like D. Winters, and D. Winters was leading the team early on until late in the year. But I, I really do feel like this year I'm going I'm to double down and say I feel like um, the team leader in sacks is probably going to be a linebacker. So where would you say, other than quarterback? That's kind of a cheating answer. Where is the biggest drop off between starters to reserves? Like what what position group just has to stay healthy because the backups just not that they'll never be able to play, but they're just not ready to play, you know, for 2023. I'm harping on them and I'm not picking on them, but I'm just going to say defensive line. I, I really feel like the defensive line, you you have a, a, a very, very good interior nose tackle and Dominic Williams. Um, behind him, it gets kind of questionable. Caleb Fox, Paul Oye Wale are good starters. Behind them, it gets kind of questionable. So, and, and again, we all know when you look at these football games and, and, and where they have to improve on it, it it's got to be in the trenches. And I really feel like defensive line and, and really the way they're going at the transfer portal right now, it, it gives me the answer. They're still looking for those those edge rush type players. And so, um, I think defensive line's really big. I think offensive line, uh, the, the interior position, center, you had a guy like John Lance that got reps uh, at center over the spring. So he can he can play there, but he's more of a guard. I, I worry about the guard position. I worry about losing guys like Steve Avila, Alon Ali, and Wes Harris. And just the overall experience that they, those guys had. You replace them with a guy like Willis Patrick, who has a, a, a ton of football experience. Colton Deary has one year under his belt. He's gonna he's gonna have to uh, rise up to the occasion this year. They're expecting a lot of big things out of him, but I really think that right now it's it's defensive line um, because if you look at the overall group um, for the rest of positions, I really feel like linebackers a stack position. I really feel like cornerback is really loaded. Safety's really loaded. Receiver rooms really loaded running backs really loaded um, and quarterback. Although you, you look at what Max had last year, uh, obviously one of the best years in TCU history, Heisman runner up. There's some, there's some whispers around TCU that Chandler was still better in practice last year uh, during that magical run. But, you know, they still went with Max because Max was just a gamer, but 
I don't I don't know how much of a drop off they're going to have with uh, Max and Chandler because Chandler actually beat out Max as we all remember to to start the season last year. So it's going to be exciting to watch because um, you have those variables with uh, you know him coming back from an injury. He's being he, he's ready to play. He's ready to prove all the doubters wrong. And and you've got a new offensive coordinator at the same time wants to prove to every TCU fan and everyone across the nation that his offense is, is spectacular. And, uh, man, what a what a great combination for those two to go at it to prove a lot of doubters wrong. Absolutely. Jeremy Clark, HornFrogBlitz.com. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, bud. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey guys, Bud Elliott here. I'm with Jackson Moore. That means we're talking little Cal. Jackson, 4-8 and eight last year, kind of a top 80 team in the power rating. So not, not like one of the worst teams in the country, but I guess a little bit disappointing. They were competitive in some close games, couldn't fi- you know, figure out a way to win them. Let's start talking some of the changes they're making to this offense because they are bringing in new coaches, new players. What what is new coordinator Jake Spavital bringing in, and how is it going to be different? Yeah, uh, well, the Cows had the Spavital experience once before, and it went really good for them. Uh, the coordinator since then, uh, not so much. So, you know, hoping to revive some of that the success that he had previously. Uh, he ran what they called the Bear Raid back then. Um, it's a little bit different now, just based off personnel. Uh, Cal has equipped itself with a lot of tight ends and a lot of pro-style players over the last year, a couple of years uh, with Bill Musgrave. And now even of that group, a lot of those players have hit the road through the portal with the changes and a lot of new transfers are coming in. So, um, you know, the one position that is kind of stable personnel-wise is the O-line, which was the weakness last year. So uh, a lot of moving parts and a lot of places that need to be improved, but um the schematics behind everything feel a lot more dynamic and you hope that uh, it shows in the results this season for him. Yeah, I, I know Justin Wilcox is, is well respected by, by the coaching community. I just, I couldn't figure out what he was doing with the office coordinator hire. And, and uh, it turns out, I, I guess the media guys were right on that one. Just wasn't, wasn't a good hire before that. Spavital is got proven to score some points for sure. 
Sam Jackson at quarterback, the guy they take from TCU, looked kind of dynamic in the spring, man. Is this uh, is this his job to lose? Uh, it certainly was the case in the spring. Um, they have brought in Ben Finley now from NC State. He's got some experience. Uh, probably going to be the biggest challenger to him. Fernando Mendoza, redshirt freshman. I thought he just had a, a spectacular camp, but at least for being a redshirt freshman that I didn't expect much out of. Um, never did take any reps with the ones, but um, a, a guy to watch for there. <laughs> Maybe see if he gets a little more um, of, of the responsibilities in the fall. But you know, Jackson, his legs are about not matched from just about any quarterback I've seen in practice or in a game. I mean, it's really, really impressive the way he moves and how fast he is. Uh, the arm, uh, it's okay. Um, you know, there was a lot of turnovers in spring, a lot of fumbles on those read options, and a lot of the intercepted passes. Um, it feels like they could score ten more points a game automatically with him on the field, but he might turn the ball over one or two more times to give up ten points. So, uh, you know, the, if he, if they can unlock what he has in his game, and I mean, it could be pretty special, but. I think there's a lot of deficiencies as well, which make you think maybe a Finley could come in and steal it, or uh, maybe Mendoza could get his shot at some point. But we'll see. The thing about Jackson is that he hasn't played a lot of at TCU either, even though he was the backup for a while. So, you know, you may go through his growing pains and, and watch him turn into something later in the year uh, that he might not be right off the bat. It should be pretty fine at running back. Jade Knott had a nice year last year. They bring in two transfers. Let's let's go to receiver here. J. J. Michael Sturdivant hits the portal, goes to UCLA. 24-7 Sports has him rated as a top 10 receiver in the portal. And they used him a lot last year. 106 targets, one of the few players in the country who received more than 100 targets. But they bring back most everybody else at receiver and you know, tight end. And they also bring in, what they take? One, two, three three or four receiver uh, transfers. How is this room going to shake out in your opinion? Yeah, you know, it's interesting how much they've gone with receiver because I feel like they were pretty satisfied, I think, with the starting lineup in spring. It seemed like you've got Jeremiah Hunter back. You've got Maven Anderson, who's a four-star guy. At least those two guys, it's hard to imagine them not being in the starting lineup, even with all the people coming in. Um, Monroe Young, a, a veteran on the roster as well. Um was that third guy in the spring. So, uh, But they added a whole lot. They brought in Brian Hightower from Illinois for the spring. He was hurt, so we didn't really get to see much of him. Uh, they even had some of their returning players out, guys like uh, uh, Tommy Christofferson, the guy that um, could be a, a, a 6'4 kind of <laughs> slot guy for them. I'm mean, curious to see what he can do. But they bring in Marquise Montgomery, a junior college receiver who had a ton of offers. Uh, the top recruit in the whole class is Nigel Hunter out of um, nearby Salinas and uh, a high schooler that could probably get on the field right away. And they brought in a few more late in the process. Taj Davis from Washington was a big one that they got. Um, Marquez Dorch, a former four-star from uh, Mississippi State. Um, I mean, they've got a lot of options to go to here this spring or this fall. Absolutely. So, uh, Offensive line-wise, you lose but just really one guy who played in any significant reps in, in Ben Coleman. They get Matthew Wyckoff, who was decent, I guess, for AM. Like not not great. He was you know played in in relief of the, of their starting center. And then Derek Bowman as well from Houston. It looks like they're just trying to throw numbers at their at their center problem, right? Yeah. Um 
Wyckoff is one that yeah, he, I mean, he played SEC football, and that's a uh, advantage over just about anyone else on the O line roster right now. But I, I know um, he was kind of thrown in there and uh, wasn't yeah. uh, too successful in that position. But um, I mean, a lot of you've got some alignment that are experienced. You've got some that are kind of stepping into roles and a bunch of younger developing players that probably aren't ready behind them. So whatever they can get to potentially shake things up um, in the interior, I think between Brian Driscoll and Matthew Sendrick, just one more guy in there could make a difference. And uh, the tackle positions are, are probably the biggest concern where you've got a couple of guys that have played and not, played at a very high level and are probably going to be relied on again this year. But, um, you know, new O-line, new coaching schemes, I mean, a new O-line coach, new coaching schemes, a uh, chance for some of those guys to maybe flourish in a way that uh, they weren't allowed to last year. Makes a lot of sense. And I assume the offense will be operating at a much higher pace too. So it's good thing they have all this defensive line death back. I, I know the D-line wasn't great last year, but they had some injuries that they dealt with. They do get everybody back who played more than 50 snaps, which is kind of rare, including uh, Brett Johnson, who I think last played in 2020. Did he take two years off? Is that correct? So he suffered a broken hip in a vehicle accident. And then the Uh next season, he was ready to go and suffered a season-ending injury late in August, right before the season this last year. So back-to-back, I mean, yeah, he hasn't played a lot. And surprisingly he looked pretty close to himself last fall camp it looked like he was ready to be himself and uh, didn't get to see it on saturdays so you know, fingers crossed he didn't play in the spring we'll see if he can be the guy in the fall and um yeah, that's something that this defense really missed they had a lot of contributors and a lot of most of them are back but uh, not really an impact player or an anchor on the interior d-line um, ricky korea might be the closest thing to that right now um a lot of the D linemen that are coming back in this spring too. Um, so, uh, you know, it's one of those spots where if everyone's healthy, um, perhaps it pans out, um, but they, they could be a few injuries away from being right back where they were this past year, which was an issue that kind of dominoed, I felt like. Uh, Stanley McKenzie, uh, or McKenzie uh, Seole, is, is he back in the mix as well? He is back. Uh, missed, was not on the roster last year, is now returned and, uh, got a lot of action in the spring. They were down to about six tackles, and they just rotated all spring, first, second, third. It didn't matter who else was on the field. Uh, so they all got some very valuable reps. He should be pretty good at linebacker. I, I assume that it took David Reese from Florida. Is is he a guy that's going to maybe start for them or just kind of in, in the mix? What, what, what are you thinking there? Yeah, Reese had a really good spring at that outside linebacker edge position. Um, they've, they're about three deep with some pretty talented edge players um, right there, um, which is promising. And at inside linebacker, too, getting Jackson Sermon back for this extra year. Uh, and then they brought in um, out of Clemson, uh, Sergio Allen. Sergio Allen? Yeah, you look. You had Allen and Reese, and it's like, are these two guys just going to cut it at the Power 5 level or, or, I mean, at a higher Power 5 level, or were they just buried behind more talented players? And both of those guys exceeded my expectations this spring. Uh, Reese really had an impact here, and Allen was a guy that um, didn't make a whole lot of highlight plays per se, but was just solid, was always right where he needed to be, uh, which is essentially essential to be assignment sound at inside backer in that 3-4 scheme. And the most impressive thing to me was that uh, Jackson running around, it seemed like Allen was the most consistent player that 
was there to stop that read option or track him down. Um, I think he's ready to, to fill right in. They've got a lot of other inside linebackers on the roster that have been on the verge, but I, I think Allen's going to take that spot. In the second year, they only lost one guy in, in Daniel Scott, but they bring in four transfers, including Patrick McMorris, a safety from San Diego State, who was a very good player in the Mountain West. Are you surprised they went this portal heavy? It, it, does that say something about what they think of some of the bottom half of the, of the secondary room, or was it just an opportunity to go get guys and they went and got them? Yeah, I think a little bit of all of it. I mean, I felt they got Raymond Woody back at safety and um, – uh, excuse me, Charles Woodman, Woodson back at safety, but Raymond Woody and Miles Williams were competing for the other spot. And I thought both of them were were pretty decent in spring, but um, we got the word from Coach Sermon uh, the last week of spring that they were looking at a safety in the portal, and the day it opens, they get a commitment from a guy that is an All-Mountain West player and whose brother uh, was in the was a student-athlete at Cal, so made a lot of sense why that came to fruition, um, and I think it's an immediate upgrade uh, to be able to get someone like that. Um, so again, another spot where they had some guys missing, um, Matthew Littlejohn, a junior college transfer, just kind of came out of nowhere and had a great spring at Nickelback. Would not be surprised if he starts there, but even with Colin Gamble getting healthy, maybe they move Gamble the corner when he's back. Um, Noel Williams had a terrific spring, a guy that I watched a lot of in the mountain West who exceeded from my expectations from what I saw from him playing in games. I mean, he was uh, on fire all spring long. Um, and then Lumagia Hearns is still around at cornerback, too. Uh, he's still got a few years to go. Um, so it feels like the personnel has been there. Um, you know, I don't know uh, last year if it was a matter of just how good the Pac-12 offenses were or the fact that the front seven wasn't getting a lot of pressure and they were in coverage a lot longer. But uh, on paper, this is a secondary that should be pretty good, even at the, the Pac-12 with some of the other defenses that they're stacking up against. You do have a, a fairly difficult uh, Pac-12 schedule because they don't get to play Colorado, which will be improved, but probably still not a great ball team. Uh, and they also don't get to play Arizona, I think it is. So that means if you're not playing those two and you can't play yourself, if you're Cal, you are drawing uh, Washington, Oregon State, Utah, USC, Oregon, Washington State, Stanford. Well, Stanford, we're, we're going to probably count as a win. Uh, and UCLA, that's that's tough. They all. Why are they playing a road game at North Texas? Is there some kind of like connection there? Or do, they, do they owe them a, a game for stealing a coach or something like that? What another <laughs> backstory there? Uh, I mean, they signed up for a series. Um, yeah, I know uh, covering Fresno State, they wanted that series, and they're a little peeved. They're going to North Texas. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I know Cal is recruiting a lot in Texas right now. Uh, that's the only thing I can really point to of why that's an advantage for them. But they've been going. Uh, FCS group of five power five for their three non-conference games. And they're not worried about traveling to group of five schools, apparently just to kind of summarize uh, where Cal is right now. I think that they're a team that, I mean, they have aggressively addressed their deficiencies. Um, they've overhauled the whole, uh, most of the offense. And um, I think it is a valiant effort, but I think it, it's going to be tough for them to catch a lot of the teams in the PAC 12 and, I don't see it happening as far as that goes, but doesn't mean this team won't be better. Um, it's just going to be tough to have too high of a ceiling with the way that the top four, five, six teams in this conference have kind of hit another gear in my mind. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It 
only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.